Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. You're about to hear the Serving Today programme, which is for pastors and church leaders. This episode was recorded with the late Phil Crowter back in the early 2000s, before he went to glory. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for pastors and church leaders. I'm Derek French and it's good to be with you again. Preaching through Mark, Phil Crowder begins looking at Mark chapter 12. Ask any king gardener or fruit farmer how they know their trees are healthy, and they'll tell you it's because of their excellent fruit. Indeed, what use would it be at all if you planted a fruit tree that never produced anything? You might give it a year or two to see if it behaves as you expected as it matured, but if it still didn't produce anything worth having, you'd chop it down. To say the obvious, fruit trees are expected to produce fruit. It's such a basic principle that it's not surprising to discover that in the Bible, God uses the illustration of fruit to teach us important spiritual lessons. And in particular, that if we claim to truly belong to God, to believe in him and follow him and depend on him and honour him, then our lives will display that by producing fruit. Not oranges or bananas or mangoes, of course, but godliness of life, holiness of character, likeness to Christ and a deep love for him. Well, it's with this background that we turn to an important incident in the life of Jesus in Mark chapter 12. Phil Crowder has given us his valuable help again, so Phil, what are you going to call this section? It's a story Jesus tells, and here's the heading, Where is the Fruit? Now, the the leaders of the Jews, as we've seen, want to kill Jesus. They're trying to make Jesus say something which they can report to Herod, who's the Roman ruler. And we saw that in verses 27 and 28 of chapter 11. We see the same thing after our section in verses 13 to 15 of chapter 12. Perhaps we could read those. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? So you see, the leaders of the Jews want to trap Jesus and to kill him. But Jesus wants to show these leaders their sin. Jesus is the Messiah from God, but they want to kill the king who God has sent. We've seen this in chapter 11, verse 17 and 18. But here again in chapter 12. Perhaps we could read all 12 verses, 1 to 12. He then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the winepress and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. At harvest time he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him, 
and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. Then they looked for a way to arrest him, because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. Do you remember the question back in chapter 11, verse 28? The leaders of the Jews asked Jesus, By what authority are you doing these things? Well, this story answered that question. God's Son has the right to do these things. Phil, in in that reading, are there particular things we need to just note carefully? Yeah, there are quite a number here. In verse 1, we read about a vineyard. That's where people grow vines. Vines produce fruit called grapes, which make wine. There's a lot in this parable about tenants there in verse 1. Now, these are the farmers in the story who look after the vineyard and grow the vines. Tenants don't actually own the farmland. They look after it for the owner. The whole story comes from Isaiah 5. You could read verses 1 to 7. In that story, Israel is the the vineyard, and God has done everything possible for his people. And yet there is no good fruit. Instead, Israel produces bad fruit. Well, here Jesus takes that story and changes it a little. In his story, he tells the farmers or the tenants to look after his vineyard. The tenants stand for the leaders of the Jews. When God sent his servants, who are the prophets, to look for fruit, these tenants, the leaders, attack the prophets. And uh, remember that the last prophet was John the Baptist. And did the leaders of the Jews listen to him? Well, they didn't, did they? No. So at last, God sends his son. But of course, the leaders want to keep the fruit. They're thieves, as we saw in chapter 11, verse 17. They want to keep control of the people. And so they kill God's son. And then in verse 7, that word heir, that means the owner's son. The vineyard or farm will belong to the son. So they kill the son to have the farm for themselves. The the inheritance will be theirs. And finally, in verse 10, you see the words quoted there from Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23. The psalm tells what the Jews will do to their Messiah. They reject, they throw away the most important stone in the building, which is God's church. Well, that stone is Jesus. These leaders are throwing away the most important stone. But we have to remember, don't we, that this is all part of God's wonderful plan. And you can see that in verse 11 in the quote from Psalm 118. They may reject Jesus, but the Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. He has a plan. Yes, and it's lovely to know that that's there, isn't it? Because the passage is a very sad one again. What's the main point we need to make then? God has sent his son to find fruit but they kill him. A 
coming to our sermon, Phil, what headings do you suggest? How should we divide this passage up? I think there are two main things in this story. God sent his son, and then we see what God does afterwards. So first, God has sent his son, verses 6 to 8. Shall we read those again? Yes, the vineyard owner had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. Now it's important to try to think how to tell the story so that everyone understands. Make sure that your people understand also what Jesus means by his story. So not just that they understand the story, but they understand the meaning. The owner in the story is God. The farmers or tenants mean the leaders of the Jews. The servants in the story are the prophets that God has sent throughout the Old Testament. And the son is, of course, Jesus. In the story, the owner sent many servants first, but the farmers wouldn't listen to the servants. The owner didn't give up. At last the owner sent his own son. He said, surely they'll respect my son. Here's a couple of questions. How much did the owner want to have his fruit? And why did God send his son? God sent Jesus for a very important reason. Jesus came to be the king from God. He came to demand what belongs to him. He says, give me my fruit, give me my people. He, he wanted the fruit very much indeed. And the leaders said, no, we want the fruit. Let's kill God's son. Phil, I've said this several times, but this is a, a very sad passage. But how do you suggest we apply this to ourselves today and, and to our congregations? Well, the central question is how people treat Jesus. What will we do with God's son? Remember, God has sent him. It really is very important. He, he demands fruit from us. Fruit like this. He tells us to repent and believe the good news. Do you remember Mark 1 verse 15? To turn away from our sin and believe in him. He wants to see that in our lives. What do you say? Do you say, no, go away, or I'm too busy now? Will you say no to God's own son? God has sent his son. That's your first point. What's your second point? What will God do? When we reject God's son, what will God do? Verse 9 says... What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Will God say, I don't mind if they kill my son? Will God say, well, let them have my fruit if they want it? Will he say, they can choose what to do with my son? Of course not. God is angry. God will punish the people who don't want his son. God will judge those who won't give him his fruit. It's worth noting that 
Jesus will be the most important stone in God's new temple, his church. They have rejected him. But God's plan is for Jesus to be the most important stone, the capstone in his new building, the church. And this is what the Old Testament says, as you can see there in verses 10 and 11. Yes, it really is very serious, isn't it, to reject the Lord Jesus. I mean, you've referred there to to God being angry. We often think of God being gracious and merciful and kind and loving, which is true, of course. But we must not forget that God is angry, isn't he, over some things. He is, and we can come to church and we can gently push God away and not do as he says. But in the end, we have to ask this question. What will God do to us if we say no to God's Son? Remember, Jesus has risen from the dead and he is king. And our lives should belong to him. We should give him fruit. And if we keep that fruit for ourselves, if we live our lives the way we want, then he will judge us for that. And with that solemn challenge, we must bring this edition of Serving Today to a close. Thank you for being with us and we look forward to your company next time. Until then, this is Derek French saying goodbye and may God make us all spiritually fruitful. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. There are a number of ways to get in touch. Our email address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. Or you can search our web catalogue at www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye.